Thanks for joining us this morning. I'm super excited to be able to take us into the Word. It's been a minute since I was able to speak on a Sunday morning, so I'm super excited. And I've got a lot on my heart this morning for us. And so I don't want to spend a whole lot of time with preamble. I'd love for us to just jump into the passage this morning. And really what my prayer has been this whole week as I've been thinking and praying about this time is just that Jesus would really take us deeper into his heart, that we would see more clearly what he longs for us to experience and the kind of life that he longs for us to live. So let's take a moment and just kind of quiet our hearts. Remember that we're in the presence of God. And I'm going to read the passage that we're going to be going through this morning. It's in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. And it's a familiar passage. So I invite you to, obviously it's on the screen. If you want to read along in your own Bible, that's great as well. But let's just take take a moment and just hear the words of our Savior this morning. Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Let's pray together. Jesus, we just want to know you better. We want to see you more clearly this morning. I pray that um, for some of us, we may this may be the first time we're hearing these words. And for some of us, these may be very, very familiar words that we've heard many, many times. But either way, Jesus, I pray that we would be um, struck by the reality of the relationship that you want for us and the kind of life that you have for us. Jesus, I ask that we would be... Um, just as, as those who have decided to follow you, for those of us who have, are in relationship with you specifically, would we just be um, drawn deeper into, first of all, just knowing the relationship that you've uh, made a way for us to have with you, but also that we would begin to live that out more and more clearly in our lives. And we know that's a lifelong process, but we want to take another step today. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So... Again, this morning, I, if, and I say this a lot uh, just because it's very true about me and the way that I interact with Jesus in his word, but there's this thing about reading the gospels and reading what Jesus says um, that is both exciting and there's this thing inside of me that it's like, yes, I want that so bad, but then there's also part of it that it's so frustrating 
because um, it's just sometimes his words are hard and they don't always seem to match up with the way that we live our lives. And so this morning, as we walk through this passage, I want to just encourage you to lay down some of the, um, maybe the expectations that you bring, lay down some of the feelings of like inadequacy or lay down these things of the feelings of guilt and shame that happens sometimes when we come to God's word and we're like, I don't feel like I'm doing that well. Lay that down because I think God has something way better for us than just to feel guilty this morning. I think he actually has real freedom and real life for us in his word. So let's just go back through this passage. We'll jump back into verse 25. And again, this is Jesus. He's talking in the midst of a, of kind of a long sermon that he uh, is giving. And honestly, this is probably these teachings that he gives in the Sermon on the Mount as recorded in Matthew, um, these are probably teachings that he would give often. And so this is what he says in verse 25. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? See, there's a part of us that longs for this to be true, that longs for this to be our reality. Um, we, we want to be worry-free in our life. Nobody, you know, we often say like, oh, how's it going or whatever. Most of the time that just means we're just kind of saying hi to each other, right? But we ask each other how it's going. And I bet nobody has ever responded. If you've asked them how it's, how's it going, nobody has ever responded. I'm anxious and it's awesome. We don't like worrying. We don't like this, these feelings of anxiety. And now I'm, I'm not going to use the word anxiety much because I think that has different connotations. We're really talking about worry. There is definitely a different category for kind of clinical anxiety. So we're not talking about that today uh, where it has to do with kind of some chemical stuff in your brain. That's a different thing. That's not what we're talking about today. Today we're talking just about worry. It's about consciously, the way, the way that we're consciously thinking about the future. And, uh, and so as we hear these things that Jesus said, says like, don't worry about your life. We're like, I want that. I want to do that. I don't want to worry about my life. But at the same time, we're kind of like, aren't you a little naive, Jesus? Do you really understand what it's like <laughs> to live life on earth here? See, sometimes when we read the gospels, I think we can be tempted to feel that Jesus is just a bit disconnected from real life. Because when we think about our lives, right, we're worrying about stuff constantly, constantly. I mean, we worry about our performance in school and at work. We worry about working hard enough or doing a good enough job. And then we also worry about, am I going to be able to get enough rest? So we worry about our work and our rest. We worry about uh, our relationships. We worry about when our relationships are strained with people, but we also worry about loneliness and not being in relationship with people. We worry about what other people think about us and trying to impress other people or put a certain image on for other people. But then we also worry about finding our own identity as an individual and feeling okay with ourselves internally. We worry about not having enough money, but at the same time, we worry about losing the money that we have. See, we worry about everything and we probably all can admit this morning that we have a worry problem. If you're breathing, you have a worry problem and maybe your level of worrisomeness is higher or lower today, but 
just wait till tomorrow, the next day. Things always come up that we worry about. And here's the kicker is Jesus is specifically saying, don't worry about food and clothes. So he's not just saying like, don't worry about, you know, if you're going to like dinner tonight or not. Like, are you going to have to eat those, that one vegetable? You don't, he's not saying that. He's saying, don't worry about food that you need to live. Don't worry about clothes that you need to have, you know, be, be clothed. He, these aren't just wants. These aren't just things that we hope happen. These are actual basic needs for life. And these people who are probably listening to Jesus and many of the people in this day who would listen to Jesus, they were poor. They were people who literally would wonder, where is my next meal going to come from? And that to me, and, and like, these are the people that Jesus is talking to. He tells them not to worry. And that to me, I'm just like, ah, really? Jesus, like, is, does, I don't know. Does Jesus ever frustrate you? Sometimes he frustrates me because there's this part of me that it's like, I just don't get that. I, that's not my reality. I don't feel like I experience that. And what he's saying feels impossible. Like really, Jesus, if I don't know where my next meal is going to come from, I'm not supposed to worry about that. See, we want it to be true, but we also at the same time don't think there's any way that that could be our reality. And so as we walk through the rest of this passage, Jesus is going to develop kind of his argument or his way of thinking. He's going to tell us what is the logic behind him saying, don't worry. Well, verse 26, he says, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? See, we're going to see throughout this passage as we walk through that Jesus has a totally different approach to our worry than we do. See, because how we do it is, for example, I'm worried about money. So the answer to my worry about money is I think I need more money. And so I'll do things that I'll try to find ways to get more money. But how Jesus does it is I'm worried about money or I'm worried about my next meal, right? And Jesus says, think about the birds, and again, it's one of those moments like, what? That's not helpful. But it's not really what he's saying, right? What he's really saying is, think about how valuable you are to your heavenly father. That through relationship with Jesus, right? We have access, we're adopted as God's children. And so Jesus is inviting us to live like God is our father. We're invited to live that way. And you, as you're watching this, Jesus is inviting you in his word to live like God is your father. What does that mean? Because we talk about it a lot. We sing about it, right? You're a good, good father, right? We sing about it all the time. But what if we actually lived like it was true? What if we actually lived like it was true? That would be totally life-changing. See, because I think about my relationship with, with my kids, um, and I'm by far, you know, I'm far from being a, being a perfect dad. And, but like as a decent dad, as a loving dad, I will do everything and anything that I need to do to make sure my kids have all they need. That means I will work as much as I need to. I will not work as much as I need to. I will stay up as late as I need to. I will wake up in the middle of the night. I will like whatever. I will do whatever I need to do to make sure my kids have all they need. And 
most, and honestly, like as long as it's good for them, it's not harmful, probably many of the things that they want. I want to do that as their father because I love them. And if you think about it, like I have limited resources. God, who wants to relate to us as our heavenly father, creates out of nothing, right? We have limited resources. God, who wants to relate to us as our heavenly father, creates out of nothing. I mean, how incredibly secure can we be when we know that through Jesus, we have become God's kids? And what, think about this, like ask yourself this question as we, as we go through this passage, what would change in your life specifically? What are specific things, attitudes, ideas, thoughts that would change in your life? What would you worry less about if you really believed that you were val- valuable to God? Not, just, not that just God knows you're out there, not that he made you and wound you up and just sent you on your way. What if you knew that you were actually valuable to God, that he's present in every moment in your life. He cares about you. He actually loves you. He actually wants what's best for you. He wants you to experience his blessing and his best in your life. Now that blessing and best doesn't always look like we want it to, but what if we knew that that is exactly what he wanted to do in our lives? What would that change about the way that you think about your life? I mean, think about the way that God has already proven his generosity to us. Scripture talks about how he did not even spare his own son. And that if he didn't spare his own son, how much more can we not expect that he will give us everything that we need? See, that is the kind of relationship that God invites us into through Jesus. And so we're like, okay, that's great. But I still feel like, like it's great that God's my father. And I, and I get that. And I'm, I really love that. Like, I appreciate that, but I still feel like I need to worry about stuff. I still feel like I have to at least like think about stuff, right? Sometimes that's how we, that's how we play it. And honestly, like a lot of times we live, I think people who are pessimistic like to say, I'm not pessimistic or I'm not pessimistic. I'm realistic. And we have this thing inside of us that just feels like it, it almost feels naive right? Not to worry. Don't I at least have to be thinking about this stuff? I can't just sit around saying, oh, God will just do everything. God will just take care of me. I don't have to do anything. And see, that's not actually what Jesus is saying here. He's not saying that you don't have to do anything or you just sit around and just presume that God is going to do everything you want him to do. Uh, Because Jesus never says that. He never says, don't work, don't be diligent, don't be wise, you know, don't plan for the future. That's not at all what he says. In fact, when he's talking about the birds, he says the birds don't, you know, sow or reap or store in barns, inferring like humans do that. And that's a good thing that humans do that. It's a smart thing. It's a wise thing to work uh, for your food and, you know, to store up and make plans for the future. Like in its proper context, those things are good. But if they come out of a place of worry, that's what Jesus takes issue with. And even though the birds don't do that, God still takes care of them. So that's the comparison that Jesus is making for us. So what about this thing inside of us where we feel like we have to worry? We feel like worry is a necessity of life. That it's like, oh, you know, if somebody is communicating to us that they're not worried about a certain situation, maybe you've experienced this or you've been this person where it's like you're t- somebody's talking about something and you maybe don't express the same amount of worry or concern they do. And they're like, they kind of roll their eyes at you like, oh, well, you just don't get it. You'll understand when you're older or something like that. 
But Jesus continues his thinking in verse 27. He says, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Now, the obvious answer to this question is no. And actually what they've found is that worry and stress actually probably decreases our lifespan. But what is Jesus getting at here? See, worry doesn't change the actual outcome. There's this place inside of us as we like search and scratch and reach for any little bit of control that we can get. It almost feels like worrying gives us some control. But the reality is that worry doesn't change the actual outcome. And for some of us, we need to like stop and think about that and let that sink in for a second. You worrying about what's going to happen tomorrow doesn't necessarily change what's going to happen tomorrow. Are there things you can do like to, to prepare for tomorrow and stuff that might change outcomes? Absolutely. But at the same time, there are things that are going to happen that just happen and they're completely out of our control and worrying about them does not change that. And we need to settle that because we have a choice when thinking about the future. And again, this is something we don't necessarily always feel, but it's true. We do have a choice as we think about the future and what will happen. And a big reason why we worry is because the future is unknown. We don't know what's going to happen and we have to have uh, or like we want to have a picture in our minds of what might happen because we don't know for sure, right? This is why the dark is scary uh, when you're a kid or maybe, I mean, still the dark might be scary to you. And it's scary because it's unknown. You don't know what could be around you when you have no clarity, you can't see it. That's exactly why the future is scary and why we tend to worry. And you're scared of the dark when you think, oh, there could be a monster in the dark, right? But the dark is not scary when you think, oh, my mom and dad are in the room. It depends on how we think about it. It's the same thing with the future, right? We don't know what will happen tomorrow. Will it change the outcome of what happens tomorrow if you, if you worry about it or if you think positively about tomorrow? No, it actually doesn't. And so why not just think positively then? Like, let me give an example, okay? You could worry every day about losing your job. And you could lose sleep every night, worried that the next day that you'll be told like, you know, pack up your desk or whatever, you're done, We're, you're fired. And this may seem ridiculous to some of us. It's like, well, of course I don't worry about that every single day, but that's just because it seems unlikely to you with the experience you've had. If you've had the experience of being unexpectedly let go, that might be a very real fear for you. And you may have some kind of, you know, post-traumatic, stress associated to being let go unexpectedly and you carry that into your jobs, right? So you can think that every day. You can think about the worst. You can imagine the worst for your future. Or another simple option is just to go to bed every night rather than thinking about, oh, I hope today they don't fire me tomorrow. You could go to bed you know, thinking or thanking God, God, like, God, thank you that I do have a job to go to, to tomorrow. They didn't fire me today, so I get to go in tomorrow. And I know it sounds kind of, it maybe sounds a little bit dumb or a little bit childish, but let me just press in on that for you, okay? You can still be wise. For example, you could still have an emergency fund saved up, right? 
in the eventuality, right? Because no job is going to last forever. So, stuff does happen. And many of us have ex actually experienced that in recent days. So you can still be wise. You can still have this stuff um, saved up. But let's say you go in and actually get fired. You're probably going to feel bummed out ever, either way. There's going to be a certain amount of grief that you lost your job. And if you've been constantly worried, you've just kind of intentionally piled stress on yourself in anticipation of that stress of grief. And you've just kind of confirmed your worldview that, yep, I needed to worry about this because look what happened. It happened. And now every job I've got to worry. And it's this cyclical thing. And if we think about like, and so your world, worldview or your view of your life, just like, see, I knew life was going to be bad. So I better just keep being worried about it because if I keep worrying about it, then at least I know the bad stuff that's going to happen or hopefully I've thought about it before it's happened. But if you've been thankful, where's your mind at going into your job the next day? Because let's say you're th you, the, last, the night before you were like, God, I'm th thank you for still giving me a job. Thank you that I have a job to go to tomorrow. You go to your job the next day and you get laid off. What's your attitude going to be? Definitely you're going to feel that grief. You're going to feel that sadness. And that's totally okay. Like that's part of the process of being a person, right? Reacting and responding to the events of the present. But Jesus would say to you and me in that situation, don't worry. And if we've been thanking Jesus for the job, you know what the, the, the lens we've been putting on is? It's that Jesus, you have given me this job. You have provided for me through this job. And if you have provided through me, or if you've provided for me through this job, that means you have another job or another way of providing for me lined up already. See, it's a totally different mindset to have. And why, why pile extra stress on your life? Jesus is actually inviting you in his very words to not worry about the future. So let's keep going. Verses 28 through 30. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? See, Jesus is extremely committed to growing our faith. You of little faith was something he often said, especially to his disciples, those who were close to him and were intentionally following him and learning from his way of life. See, when, uh, when Jesus talks about faith, what we should think about is trusting Jesus or the way that it, the writer of Hebrews defines faith is that faith is being sure of what we don't yet see. That's what faith is. It's being sure of what we don't yet see. It's a relationship to the future. It's thinking about the future in a certain way. I don't see it yet because it's in the future, but I'm sure of it now in the present. See, when Jesus says, I will take care of you, and like he's saying in this passage, your heavenly father will take care of you. Faith means that I believe that even if I don't yet see how that's going to happen. Even when I don't yet see how he's going to work it out, faith means that I'm sure of it. And yes, is it, is it sometimes a struggle to like continue to hold on to that faith, to continue to trust? Yes, especially as that 
as that answer to that prayer or that eventual future is delayed longer and longer. It gets more and more difficult. But the reality is, is that is exactly what faith is. And it says, it says in scripture that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And the main reason is that because our relationship with Jesus starts with faith, right? It starts with faith, believing that even though I have never personally, you know, talked face to face with Jesus, I've never talked face to face with God. I have this faith that he is real, that he loves me, that Jesus died for me, that I can depend upon his sacrifice, that I know that he's made me righteous before God. These are all things that happen because of faith. And it's not just blind faith. There's good evidence for it, especially the fact that we have scriptures and God says those things about himself. But that is what faith is. It's being sure of what we don't yet see. And so it's just choosing to stand on what God says about our future rather than just whatever we picture or whatever we choose to envision about our future, which often is just worrisome thoughts. So it makes a lot of sense for me. You know, Chad has been talking about this a little bit that God is outside of time. So as we experience time moving on and on and on, God is actually, he's already knows everything that's going to happen. He's outside of it. It's all kind of, in, in one sense, we could say it's all happening at once for him. So if God says he knows something about my future, I would say that he probably has more authority to speak on that than I do. So faith is just saying, God, I choose to trust you. I choose to be sure of this, even though I can't see it. And faith is a choice. It's a moment by moment choice. Let's continue verses 31 through 33. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Again, basic human needs. For the pagans or those who don't believe in God or don't follow God, run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first his kingdom. That may be a familiar verse to many of us, but I think probably not many of us realize or recognize the context of when Jesus said that. The moment he says, seek first his kingdom, he makes that statement in the context of worry. Isn't that interesting? See, we take that verse out of context and we kind of generally apply it because it is. I mean, it's, it's a command. It's something that we're called to do is to seek first his kingdom. So it really can stand on its own two feet. But the reality is it comes in the context of worry. And what Jesus is helping us to see is that our worry problem is a kingdom problem. What do I mean by that? I mean that Jesus, when he was on the earth, He was constantly talking about the kingdom of God. It's not a concept that we often talk about. And that's part of the reason why we're trying to dive into it more in this series. But what Jesus talked about constantly is that there's a a, a kingdom that's called the kingdom of God. Uh, It's the kingdom in which Jesus is, he's the king on the throne. He'll never be dethroned and this kingdom will last forever. He says the kingdom, you know, he says this multiple times throughout the gospels. The kingdom has come near um, and he, people are invited to repent or turn or change their mind and, and basically be a part of this new kingdom where Jesus is the king. And here's what I want us to recognize is that when we are a part of that kind of kingdom, an everlasting kingdom that is reigned and ruled over by 
God, the one who has no rival or no equal, has never, ever been worried, has never, ever been freaked out about what's going to happen or, oh, I don't know if I can handle this or I don't know. I don't have any good ideas on how to approach that situation. That is not ever what God's experience has been. So when we are a part of a kingdom that is like that, there is nothing to worry about. See, nothing has ever happened or ever will happen that will shake that kingdom. This is the hope and future that Jesus has for us. His kingdom that has come near and will be fully realized when he returns. The invitation to enter into that kingdom and be a part of it. That is our hope. That is our future. However, where the worry problem comes in is that we all have our own little kingdoms, don't we? And our kingdoms aren't forever. They're shaky little things. And if our hope is in our kingdom, then yeah, we probably should be worried. We should be afraid. And we are. See, fear is exactly why we see so much division and hatred and stuff in the world today. It's because we all, when we are living for our own kingdom, there's this initial response of fear when other people have their kingdom and we have ours and they begin to collide and get in each other's way. See, people hate one another because they're standing in the way of each other's kingdoms. And this place of fear comes out and all this sort of ugly stuff comes out when we are afraid. And this is exactly what the devil was doing in the garden with Adam and Eve. As he was telling Eve, he's like, you know what? God doesn't want what's best for you. He knows that if you eat that fruit, you'll just, you'll just have the same knowledge God has. And, and Eve began to be afraid. And apparently Adam too, because he ate it too, right? Like they began to be afraid that God was withholding. Oh no, I need to take care of this myself. I need to build my own kingdom. The future and the hope that God has for me is not good enough. I need to make my own. And here's what I want us to recognize this morning is that you will not, so just listen to me, okay? You can think about all the other people later. Think about yourself right now. You will not learn to truly love others until you are seeking first his kingdom. You will not truly learn how to love others until you are seeking first his kingdom. Because it's at that point when you are about his kingdom, his unshakable kingdom, you're participating in that, that you will stop seeing people as roadblocks to your happiness, see other people's kingdoms as enemy kingdoms, and you'll begin seeing people with value as future citizens or potential future citizens of God's kingdom. See, God has given every person value by making us in his image. When we begin to understand our value and the value of other people and the way that our, uh, God's kingdom actually meets us in our situation, it puts our hearts at rest. So follower of Jesus, please hear me. We need to let our kingdom die every day and pick up our cross and participate in Jesus's kingdom. If my life is about participating in his kingdom, in the kingdom in which he's calling the shots, then what do I have to fear? He's in control. Nothing can happen to me that will dethrone him or end his kingdom. If that's what I'm living for, I have nothing to worry about. I have nothing to fear.
Go back to the job example. If I lose my job, if I'm living for God's kingdom, number one, I'm not worried in the first place. And number two, I know that if I've lost my job, that Jesus is probably just redeploying me somewhere else in his kingdom. See, if I get sick, I know that I can be a living example of God's grace and peace in the middle of hardship and show people what it really looks like to seek first his kingdom and experience his righteousness. Let's wrap up with the last verse 34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will, all, will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So just in case it hasn't been clear yet, do not worry is a command from Jesus. It's not an option if you wanna follow him. It's something that he actually commands us to do. Why? Because it's good for you and it's good for me. So how do we do this? Okay, just like anything, we have to actually begin to practice. We have to step into it. It's gonna take some conscious thought. More than anything else, it's gonna take the help of the Holy Spirit. And when you find yourself worrying, this is just, this is just a little thing, okay? Just, just out of this passage, something that we can practically begin to do with the help of the Holy Spirit. When you find yourself worrying, I want you to ask this question. When you find you, maybe, so again, whatever topic it is, finances, job, relationship, kids, whatever. When you find yourself worrying about something, ask yourself this question. If I am God's child and I'm part of his kingdom, how does that change this situation? If I'm God's child, if I'm part of his kingdom, how does that change the situation? And allow the Holy Spirit to redefine what's happening right in front of your eyes. Allow him to redefine how this is actually going to further his kingdom. And it's not about us. It's really not. 